Today's reading is from Luke 12, 32 through 38. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. The word of the Lord. Don't you hate it when Jesus ruins a perfectly good story? (laughs) This little parable about the slaves whose master is coming back from a wedding banquet, we know how it's supposed to go. And so did Jesus' hearers, I'm sure. The slaves are waiting up all hours for their master because they know one of two things will happen. He'll come back grumpy, And it will be better for all involved if they are on alert to do his bidding so he can go to sleep already and leave everybody in peace. Or he'll come back jolly. And by being awake and ready, they'll be rewarded in his jolliness with some leftovers from the banquet or maybe he'll even tell them to take the next morning off. Good up all night waiting slaves that they are. But the way Jesus tells it is all messed up. He doesn't even say what mood the master is in. And what he has the master doing is completely ridiculous. Fastening his belt like some lowly worker. Telling his slaves, his slaves, to sit down. And then serving them a meal in the middle of the night. Everyone knows slaves don't get served sitting down in the dining room at any time. They eat squatting in the kitchen when everybody else is done. And they eat table scraps. Can't you just imagine Jesus' hearers talking together? Poor Jesus. He, he just doesn't get how things work. It, it, it's sweet, really, but... This willful ignorance of his is going to get him in trouble someday. They're half right, of course. It's not long before Jesus gets lynched. But he knows exactly how things work. Which is why he tells the story the way he does. And why we have to hear it. According to the mystics, 
God is always returning from a wedding banquet, and on God's way to one, and playing half the roles in one. So this story fits. And we can take the story and say, right, what we need to do is to be good slaves, deprive ourselves of sleep, burn the midnight oil, and fear our heavenly master's wrath. Or we can do what Jesus is patiently telling us, and with his scandalous, beautiful, reckless life showing us we can receive our not playing by the rules master at a very inconvenient hour. And we can let our identities be transformed from slave to friend. We won't get table scraps. We won't get a reprieve from the tasks before us, no matter how much we'd prefer those things we'll get, we do get already, love, nourishing, inconvenient, vulnerable making love, which is a totally useless thing. You, you can't lock it up in a treasure chest. You can't squirrel it away bit by bit until you finally have enough to quit the life that you've been merely enduring so that you can finally make for yourself the life you want. You can't really even hold on to love because love, when truly received, comes with this weird virus programmed into it that makes you want to give it away. Which is totally ill-advised because you never know if more is coming. Or, as you feared all along would happen eventually, the well has really finally run dry. That fear that God's love is unconditional and infinite for everybody except me. That's my fear. Maybe it's yours too. It is the one that I carried with me into a 40-day silent retreat earlier this summer. The retreat was a version of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, which people have been doing all around the world for the last 450 years. I will be living into what God very patiently taught me on those 40 days for the rest of my life, but there is one aspect of it that I want to hold up today. And maybe the best way into it is to contrast again the two ways of reading this little parable. If we take it to mean, be a good slave, fear your master's wrath, hope for rewards or reprieves. Reprieves are my favorite. Then then what we get is a totally actionable to-do list. How to be a good slave. And we can check our own progress 
on it. We can set measurable sub-goals and make agreeable progress while we keep ourselves together. All the while, mostly confident, mostly, that our wrathful master is kept at bay and smiling because of our diligence and obedience and our ability not to get in God's way. On the other hand, we can hear from Jesus that God wants us in God's way. So much so that God comes right to us. And we can take this little story to mean unlock the door and receive your not playing by the rules master at this and any other inconvenient hour so that you can let your identity be transformed from slave to friend. With this, we don't get a to-do list, but a to-be picture. Tired slaves reclining at a table they have no reason to expect to be at, while someone much more powerful and socially important brings them nourishment and companionship. So instead of measurable sub-goals and a way to keep ourselves together, we get ever-deepening opportunities, big and little, notable and ignorable, but opportunities all the same trust. And instead of a deity kept at bay by our obedience, we get a creator, redeemer, and sanctifier so close to us that we can break bread together. If I had more time, I'd enumerate all the ways that that is awkward. It would take me a long time. But not just awkward, challenging. But not just challenging, initially disorienting. And if I had more time, I'd illustrate from my own silent retreat the many forms that my own resistance took, takes. I don't want to see that I'm helpless, I told my spiritual director on day 28 of my retreat. With love in his voice and with patience in his eyes, he replied, and in that, you are helpless. The single word that speaks best to all of this, a word that feels awkward in my mouth and may sound tinny in your ears, is surrender. I have written many and varied unsatisfying pages on this single word, and I will not subject you to any of them. Surrender is an experience, not a topic. It's linked to trust, not, unfortunately, to clarity. Surrender is not tidy, 
And actually, it's not even an experience. It's a relationship. And it's one that you already have, believe it or not. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This trustworthy God who is so loving toward us, so intimate with us, that she can be called Father. This God wants to give us everything, the whole kingdom, now, in the middle of the night. And so, the question is whether you will unlock the door to more fully receive the kingdom so abundantly given that you can sell your possessions and be abundantly generous in your actions and in your trust. To more fully receive the master so outside business as usual and so loving that even thieves find themselves transformed from panic and jealousy and scarcity and hoarding to friendship at a table they have no reason to expect to be at. To more fully receive the relationship called surrender, so deeply vulnerable that it meets you exactly where you are, exactly as you are, and is therefore honest and scary and unpredictable and joyously liberating. It is a quirky fact of the universe that this God who is so unpredictable is also so trustworthy. If you do, if you do unlock this door to more fully receive the kingdom, the master, the relationship, Jesus will have ruined a perfectly good story.